There's Drew Doughty over the line. Nice pass, but Kopitar couldn't control it. Kopitar will get another look. Curling to the high slot. Kopitar's back in, through traffic, locked in by Tobias Reader. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Off of the corner boards, Kopitar to it, centering. Brown got down! Did the puck cross? Calamity in front of the goal, and it wouldn't go in. Downey with a shot, pinballs to the corner. He'll get one last look, but it won't get there in time. They will have to look at the overhead. After review, we got the puck completely over the line, so we got a goal. There you go. But they're going to ask for Toronto to take a look at the stick, pushing the pad over. Following the coach's challenge issue by the Situation Room, there was goaltender interference. This is no goal. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Well, I hope that if I gave it a little extra breathing room this morning, I might feel a little bit better about that game last night, but nope, 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 nope. Uh, you will hear me say this later in the episode, but I have now prepared myself for the worst for the rest of the season. I am still hoping, I am still rooting, uh, but I just cannot realistically expect that this team will seriously contend. Um, not that there isn't high in talent, not that the players aren't capable. I've said time and time again, I think Kopitar, Quick, and Dowdy are among the best, if not the best, at their positions. I think Jeff Carter might be the best value in the NHL. I think Tanner Pearson and Alex Iafalo provide the sort of self-sacrificing hustle plays that every team needs. But for whatever reason, this team struggles with consistency. We've said it all season long. It could be as simple as the constant flux in the roster. It could be a new coaching staff. It could just be a transition year. It could be the position of the moon. I don't know. Maybe after the trade deadline, everything will settle in. They'll go on a five or six game run at the same time as the Blues and hopefully one or two other teams collapse. That is what I'm hoping for. That is what I'm rooting for. I'm just not expecting it anymore. Um, either way, we'll continue to bring podcast episodes because that is what we do. Uh, we follow this team and we root for this team no matter what. Am I right? I am right. Uh, so never miss an episode by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, you've heard the speech, any other podcasting service, subscription links, and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Now here's the post game. We are here, high above the ice, live from, well not live, you're hearing this recorded, <laughs> but we're in the Bob Miller press box, high above the ice at Sable Center. Jack Jablonski joins me, how are you doing tonight, Jack? Doing well quite uh confused dazed whatever we want to go with here it's uh it's been an interesting night of hockey it has i know the answer but i'll ask you already for the benefit of our listeners have you ever seen an end to a game like that no and i don't think anyone has because that it has to be a first i mean to go from no goal to the game's over to to goal back to no goal to the game's not over to then play it out i've never seen anything like it the only times in my mind that I can think of specifically that were louder in Staples Center was in 2014 when they won the Cup, obviously. 2012 when they won the Cup. Also in 2012 when Dustin Brown scored an empty net goal to secure the, the sweep against the Blues in the second round in 2012. Other than that, and I'm sure there have been other moments that are slipping my mind, but other than that... I can't immediately think of any time that I've heard this building louder 
than when the goal was announced as a goal. Yeah, and let's let's not forget that there were probably five thousand fans missing from the game, who just said, "Screw it, we're down four to two with a minute to go. Right. I'm done here. Let's go get out of the parking situation." <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's insane. This is. Yeah. Do I think they made the right call? And we can get into this right now. If as we'll I get into as, it in yeah. a second. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting predicament, and it's a slightly of a gray area. So I'll let you handle this. But the chance of goal, goal, yes, yes. goal, and they're showing the replay on the started, board, and you could see all started by Jay. Yeah, and you could see the puck crossing the line, and you know every time they show the review, the crowd would get louder and yes. louder. I mean, I've just I've never seen anything like it. it was great. I thought, I thought if they had announced initially that it wasn't a goal. That there that we were in danger of like this place going crazy, <laughs> up, in <flames. laughs> um, up in flames. Fortunately, they called it a goal before they called it no goal, so everybody had a chance to to calm down. Now, whether or not it was a goal, you think it was interference, correct? I do, and you know the the rule clearly states you can't push a goalie into the net. And I understand the puck was loose, but the goalie has his foot pinned against the the post and by rule you can't push the goalie into the net and that's exactly what Dustin Brown did now do I blame him no not at all because I would have done the same thing in my time too and, and that's the thing is there's it's a it's there's no situation there that that works in his favor unless the puck is between his legs uh, and unfortunately it wasn't uh, so they made the right call but it's tough and you know it's a bummer but they the NHL from Toronto not the refs on the ice as the Kings didn't understand uh, made the right call and I will argue with you that I don't think Dustin Brown did push Talbot into the net. I think he pushed the puck into the net, and I think in his action of pushing the puck into the net, his stick may have hit Talbot's leg, and Talbot's leg may have backed into the net. But but for my money, personally, like in the grand scheme of things, I think that's a goal. Um, while, while I agree with the first part in the sense that no question Dustin Brown's goal and objective there was to push the puck in the net. And that's what he was trying to do. But yeah, I mean, replay after replay, they put it on the big board, you know, 15 times. You know, replay, you know, you see it on TV. No, whoever's watching it, you can see as he's trying to push the puck into the net, his stick is on the pad, pushing the pad into the net as well. And, and no question, yes, Dustin Brown was trying to put the puck in the net, and that's exactly what he did. He just happened to catch pad as well and that's you know the turn the determining factor in this situation unfortunately i mean i suppose i i just think it's one of those situations where the rule is written i mean we live in an imperfect world right Very and much. so and, and so with replay everything is contradicting right and and there's just you know we've gotten to a point now where with with video replay you can you can micro analyze something that takes place over a period of, you know, over a space of inches or, or even less. Sorry, we're watching the replay of uh, not Russia <laughs> versus Germany. Um, oh, did Russia just win? Is that what happened? Uh, they just took the lead too well. Oh, all right. That is a ridiculous shot. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what, for me, again, I said it on Twitter, you know, we have a league where they keep talking about ways to increase scoring they yep. took out a line yep. they introduce you know the the trapezoid behind the net they do all of these crazy things three. yeah to try and increase scoring and then they have you know goalie reviews where you can take a goal away to germany just score wow two to two unbelievable it's gonna be crazier than the king's game um and so you have not only do you have reviews that the coaches can call right but now you have a, a, an official from three thousand miles away in toronto 
overturning a goal that was just overturned. Yeah. And my question is, like, I'm sure Edmonton is thrilled about it, and I, and I get it. We're Kings fans, so we're upset about it. But my question is, who's served in the world of hockey by calling a goal like that back? I don't have an answer. But, I, I don't. <laughs> like, I get technically, by your definition, it's interference and it should be called back, but... I don't know. Like, how is the sport... I don't know. It just drives me crazy. But anyway, the real issue is that they didn't deserve to win that game. Yes. And that's <laughs> that's the red flag, is this is a team that's, you know, 15 points out of a playoff spot. This is a team that is scratching players because they plan on trading them in, in the deadline coming up tomorrow. So it's something that is unfortunate because you get Jeff Carter back and you have the hype, and then, you, you know, you're honoring a legend in the the Kings pregame ceremony and, and all of this is going on and then you throw up you know a poor performance against a team that you should take care of business of and they didn't and that's that's I think what we you know that is the main topic unfortunately it's uh, the headlining factor is you know was it a goal or not and what, what should the right call have been but you know the, the red flags are, are you know letting a team like Edmonton not necessarily manhandle you, but control the pace and control the game for the most part and, and, and be at a 3-1 to one deficit going into the third period. Since January 21st, Edmonton is one of the worst teams in the league. Right? Like, other than Edmonton, it's, it's the Rangers. That's it. And they're only separated by, like, a point or two. I mean, I think their record going into night since January 21st was 4-8-1 or something like that. I mean, it's not good. And... You know, we've said it before, any team that has uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid and some of the other players they have, yes, they're a threat to score, right? Like, Edmonton's not losing 5 to nothing every night. So, yeah, obviously they have players that can score. Obviously it's going to be a game. But when you lose a game like they lost to Dallas, and you lose a game like they did to Carolina on the road, and the Nashville game, and the Vancouver game, right? This game wasn't as bad as those. Yep. Uh, but it's just another, you know, now we're at five games. And, and I'm not even thinking about games earlier in the season because I'm sure there were some. Yep. You know, I, I had the flu, so I missed the, the San Jose, the shout-out to San Jose around Christmas. But I'm told that was a pretty ugly game. Wasn't I, was I feel like pretty. I feel like they lost to Arizona or Vancouver earlier in the season. Arizona. So, I mean, like, just, just in the last month or so, we've got five games, at least, that are just... I don't want to use the word unacceptable because it implies somehow that... That's the word that came to my head too, though. It's, whether it's unacceptable or not, it's, it's disappointing, but it's, it's, it's a cause for concern. Because, and I know we've gone back to that you know, cliche a few times uh, over the past month in you know, being on the podcast, but they're repeatedly doing things that would say, okay, this team's close, but not there. And, and, that's, and I think tonight is a little bit of a... Uh, it's not. I wouldn't put it in that category because you have a guy that's coming off of you know three months injured, so that's going to cause a little bit of a problem. We'll get to Jeff Carter in a second, but there's a few factors here. You've got a new lineup. You've got Tian Phaneuf who's playing in his seventh game. You've got uh, you know you've got Tobias Reader who's playing game, in his yeah. second game. You've got Nate Thompson in his second game. So there's there's all these you know factors playing into a little bit of the you know the lapse of you know whether it's chemistry or just communication in general and, and you know it played into a, see the reason that the Kings lost tonight but in general you know they just they were not the better team. I'm gonna quibble with one thing you said. Okay. And that is the phrase "cause for concern." Because mm-hmm. I am no longer concerned. You are resigned. <laughs> okay. That is who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. Yeah. Like, at this point, 
you know, people that always ask, like, is it time to hit the panic button? Is it time to hit the panic button? The panic button has been hit. I'm now over the panic. I am now prepared emotionally for this team not to make the playoffs. If they do, that would be lovely. Yes. And I will continue to root for it. <laughs> yep. But at this point, I realize it's only one or two points back. And they keep getting lucky and having teams lose. You know, the Ducks lost tonight to, uh, Arizona. to Arizona. So, I mean, they have to be feeling bad about themselves as well. So I'm not saying it's impossible for the Kings to make the playoffs. But looking at the standings now, the Kings are two points out of the last wild card place. Also two points out of a, uh, a third place in the division. They've got a game in hand on both of those teams. So, I mean, technically, hypothetically, with the point percentage and everything, they're sort of tied for last place. But, as I said, we're now looking at five games in the last 12 or 15 or however many it is that are just, call it whatever you want. Call it confusing, call it disappointing, call it inconsistent. Whatever it may be, this team is missing some element. Mm-hmm. That would that that separates teams that are bubble teams from from making the playoffs to being a contender, yeah. and we we have a league where sixteen teams make the playoffs out of thirty, so the bottom three or four, 31. sorry thirty one, thank you, um, but half the teams make the playoffs, and so there are going to be every year a handful of teams that make the playoffs that aren't really contenders you know in the past in the past few years it's been calgary or it's been la in 2016 yeah exactly you know nashville had a couple of years where they were one and out oh germany scores again oh my (laughs) amazing um but so you know so and look obviously in 2012 the kings made the made the playoffs as an eight seed and stormed the league but we all concede that that was a unique scenario and they weren't quote-unquote really an eight seed right like they were a much better team but anyway so the Kings could make the playoffs, yes, but at this point, and you know, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but I'm just saying, I, a game like tonight, they had to win, and if they didn't yeah. win, they at least had to compete. And and this was a game where, you know, they had a, a decent first period, gave it away in the second, and then it's just typical story, right? Like they come on in the yep. third and they almost pull it off, but it yep. doesn't happen, and you just. You can't do that on a team where your third and fourth line are in constant flux, as this team has been. It's uh, it's unfortunate, and I think that that the reason you know Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille are making these trades are to to get rid of the weak spot, and I think that they're they are they're slowly doing that. Yet for some reason, you know, a game like this happens, and that's why I think it, the Kings have been so confusing over this year. Is I think that each trade that they've made this year, they have gotten better, and I, and you know credit to them because that's hard to do in the NHL when you've got 31 teams, and everyone's looking for something. And and by all means, you know both GMs want to make each team better. That's how you keep your relationships, so on and so forth. And, and Rob Blake has gotten this team better every time they've made a move. And the the question is, is you know coming into the deadline, are they going to make another? And uh, you know, there's there's pieces in place to you know who knows what could go down. It's you know it's unpredictable. It's it's chaos uh, when you hit the deadline in in any you know major sport. And for the Kings right now is we we addressed the bottom six early in the year, and then we addressed you know the defense. So we thought in adding Dion Phaneuf, and by all means he's done a great job. You know, putting up three goals in his first four games or so like that. I don't think anyone expected that, uh, and to see you know the progress there, and then a game like this. Now I don't think Fanoff looked bad tonight, but 
some of the other D did not, you know, live up to the expectation that, you know, I don't think anyone in this, you know, you or I, you know, necessarily expected. So it's one of those things where is it time to address the needs again or is it, you know, let Jeff Carter get healthy, let the D kind of get in sync and, and, and understand, you know, their roles with the, the new players on the roster. It'll be interesting to see how things play out, but um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next 24 hours, 48 hours. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, by the time people hear this. But, you know, it's funny. You talk about the trades, and I would argue that the trade they made for, for Fanuf and Thompson was the trade that a buyer would make. And I, I, I completely agree. Yes. And I would argue that 100%. the trade of Kemper was the trade that a seller would make. Because, and I, and I said I this know. before. I, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll tell you why. I think the Kemper trade, purely as an asset management trade, was a great trade, right? You move a backup goalie who you signed for $650,000. He didn't have a future in the league at the beginning of the summer. You know, and you move him for a 25-year-old player that had been protected in the expansion draft who's got speed, he's scored 15 goals before. It's just purely from a asset management position. Mm -hmm. Great trade. The problem is every trade can be evaluated from multiple different positions but let's say one poll is asset management and the other poll is uh champion is contender uh you know contender strength so for example they could trade drew dowdy for three first round draft picks and a prospect and whatever whatever and it would be a great asset management trade yes but everybody would say what are you doing you're blowing your team up yes so when you have a backup goalie that's having the kind of season like darcy kemper was and you trade him no matter how good an asset management move is, it's just the move that somebody would make who doesn't care about the next 20 games of the season. Here, here's my take on that. Darcy Kemper is not going to make the playoffs for the Kings. Agreed. The reason that the Kings are going to make the playoffs, one of those major factors is going to have to be Jonathan Quick. Sure. And I think you and I can both agree that Jonathan Quick has underperformed in the last, I don't know, say month and a half or so. Did you agree with that? Um, I thought he's he's been getting better. Yeah, and I completely agree. He has been getting better. But a game like this, now I don't necessarily blame any of the goals on him tonight. Yeah. But these are games where you need a guy when, say, your roster isn't necessarily performing, you know, Mm -hmm. to the level that of expectation that all of us had, where he goes out and makes forty saves and you know wins a three-one game or or stuff like that. That's the Jonathan Quick we're usually seeing in. 2012 to 2014. Now, I, I truly am curious, and I wish I could pick his brain on the aspect of, you know, where does the fatigue fall from playing zero games essentially last year to now playing back to a you know 50, 60 game schedule uh, as a starting goalie. And because Jonathan Quick has got to be the guy that's going to basically put a team on his back, you know, throw up three, four shutouts the rest of the way, and and get this team in the playoffs. And I think that you know, regardless of if the Kings make a move moving forward. Uh, you know, in, during the deadline time, uh, this roster I believe can make the playoffs. I think they have to get in sync. You have to get Jeff Carter's legs back under him, the chemistry back there. Uh, you know, the 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 management has done a, an extremely good job of you know putting a top twelve there that you know I would personally fear. Now the defense is still a little bit of a head scratcher, but at the same time, you've got a top twelve that I believe is impressive, and you've got one of the best goalies that isn't playing like a top you know top two three goalie like we're used to seeing I I just feel like games like tonight you know could Jonathan Quick have stopped the third goal maybe 
the first two Not were completely no one you know one timers to a wide open guy. <laughs> like completely agree. Yes, those were just those were just defensive lapses. So to me, it, it again it comes down to I didn't feel like they got their doors blown off tonight, but when they did make mistakes. They paid for it. They were just, and they were the kind of, like when I was a kid, <laughs> a silly analogy, but when I was a kid, yep. and I would be doing my homework or I'd take a test or whatever, and if I made a mistake and I brought it to my parents and they'd look at it, you know, if I, did, if I really didn't understand, you know, the math problem, right, like if I really just didn't get it, yep. then they weren't mad at me, because it was yep. like, alright, you don't get it, yep. we'll, we'll teach you. But if I came in and I had gotten a bad grade because I forgot to, you know, because of a careless mistake, mm-hmm. then they were disappointed. Because they're like, you do get it. You know what you have to do. You're just making these... You just assume that you're going to get it right, and you make this careless mistake, and that's why you're failing. Or not failing, but you know what I mean. To me, that was goal number two and goal number three. And maybe even goal number one. Where it's like... Yeah. You know, on the second goal, it was Dowdy who made a a sort of a weak pass that resulted in a turnover. And yeah, the Edmonton guy was cherry-picking. And yeah, you can't anticipate that the guy's going to airmail a pass across two lines, you know, to an open guy. But in the meantime... Don't be careless with the puck. Yeah. And third goal was the same thing. Muzzin holds onto it for way too long, completely draped with a guy, tries to get rid of the puck. The guy's all over him, turnover, opposite direction, boom, goal. And like I said, maybe Quick could have stopped it, but it's especially egregious when it's your defensemen who are careless with the puck. And I saw Martinez shoot straight into a guy's shins, and boom, puck's going the other way. I saw Dowdy do it at least once. I think I saw Pearson do it once. And it's and and you know we're in game sixty one or game sixty two or whatever it is like, and that's why I said I'm not I'm not not panicked and I'm not concerned anymore. That's who this team is this year, and I don't know if it's because they've had a different bottom six every five games. You know I don't know if it's because they've had Carter out of the lineup and they you know and everybody doesn't have chemistry and nobody knows where everybody's going to be and it's you're building a new team. You know I called it a transition year a few episodes ago. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's something else. I, I don't know. I just know that there's too many guys. <laughs> there's going to be a trade if it's not today, if it's not tomorrow, if it's not Monday, it'll be at the draft because the the cap doesn't make sense moving forward. You know, with Dowdy's contract looming and Toffoli needs a raise and, and their bottom six, like I said, there's too many guys making too much money. Um and now they brought Reader in, and, and I just don't know, right? Like, Reader played with, with Kopitar and Brown for a while, and now all of a sudden, I follows on the third line, and then all of a sudden, he's up. on a second line yeah. with Kemp. And, you know, and to me, it's like, you know, you mess with the, thir- with the third and fourth lines all season long. Yep. And you bring Carter back in, and I, had, I don't know why it had never occurred to me before, and maybe this will only last for a game or two. You bring Carter in, and now you're messing with the top six, too. And all of a sudden, you've got 12 guys out there who have no idea... Uh, who they're playing with. So I'm hoping that this is just an adjustment period. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping that that if they do make one more trade, it'll be minor and it'll take them a game or two to to get sorted. You know, the Vegas games I mean, I don't want to say like I'm expecting them to lose, but kind of expecting them to lose. <laughs> um so you know, you just hope that they don't sink too far. You know, you hope that other teams lose, right? Like the Ducks lost tonight. Um, Calgary beat Colorado, so that was sort of a double-edged sword that game. But at least Colorado doesn't leap up to you know to ties in the standings. Um, so yeah, I hope they make the playoffs. I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I think the best way to describe this team right now is just kind of head-scratching. I think we've come away with so many podcasts, uh, at least in the time that we've spent, just scratching our heads. It was one of, I mean, it truly is, you know, it resembles the way these guys are playing. I mean, these guys are, they go out and, you know, how many times have we heard the narrative of gave up a goal in the first five minutes, outplayed them the first period, got killed the second period, and outplayed them the third period because they're in desperation mode. I mean, it keeps happening again, and now... It, again, that's exactly what happened today. They gave up a goal in the first minute of the game. You, I mean, they know not to do that. And yeah. obviously, you know, sometimes you can't help yourself and it just happens. But you're playing behind for 59 minutes. Like that just It's a recipe for disaster. And, you know, sometimes you're going to get away with it. But a lot, a lot of times you're going to have to bite the bullet on that and just take the loss. And it's unfortunate because this team, you know, who had the better roster tonight? I think we all know the Kings have a better roster top to bottom. We have a better goalie. We have a better, you know, they have Connor McDavid. That's all they have that's better. And it's unfortunate because, you know, this is a, every point matters. And, uh, you know, you can argue the, that, the you know, the Kings should have at least one point because it's a goal. Well, you know, they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. And it's exactly like when people complain about the refs, you know, if there's a missed call, yes. a missed penalty or whatever in the last five minutes, you go, well, don't let the ref beat you. Yeah. You know, don't let don't the game come down. Yeah. a situation where you need a ref to keep you right. in the game. So <clears throat> let's talk about Jeff Carter real quick. Um, I thought he looked good at times, tired on others. What do you think? He, he was rusty, and I think, you know, as much as we wanted to be like, all right, Jeff Carter's back, they're going to be unbelievable, that 70s line is back, reunited. You have to expect that after, you know, an Achilles injury. That is, I'm, it's amazing that he's come back from that in general. Uh, but the, he, you know, the chemistry was off. The, the, the legs were a little tired. He had a great first two shifts. And then it kind of just, you know, went haywire. You didn't really see a whole lot of them, that 70s line, creating opportunities. Uh, they weren't in, you know, the offensive zone a whole lot uh, after the, you know, the first half of the first period. And then, you know, they hit desperation mode and they, they vanished because, you know, the lines got all jumbled up. So uh, I would, I'd give it a solid C. I don't think there was anything there that, you know, was a cause for concern. But, you know, I, we all know who Jeff Carter can be. And I think that's what we're going to see in, you know, three, four games time. He had a couple moments. They weren't breakaways, but a couple of moments where he had the puck in yeah. the offensive zone yeah. near this, you know, slot or the top of the circle yeah. where he took a shot. And for a half a second, I thought, oh, are we going to see like yeah. one of those Jeff Carter lasers? And, yeah. you know, it was just a little off. And yeah. I, I have every faith that he'll come back and, and be Jeff Carter. No question. And Jeff Carter, he's of the concerns on this roster. He is not one that I'm worried about because, you know, we was he impressive today. By all means, he wasn't, you know. Jeff Carter of old, but he will be in due time. Uh, there'll be other situations, you know, I, give it a few games. That's that's really all you can do, and again, with an Achilles injury, there's only so much rehab and so much, you know, skating you can do before you have to hit real time. Uh, with an, and it'll be, he'll be fine. You know, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, there's been a lot of talk about uh, different players going to different teams in a trade. Yep. You know, the rumor is that Eric Carlson will wind up. I've heard Tampa, I've heard Nashville. Yep. Yep. I've heard uh, San, Jose. San Jose. That was the other one. Now, I've been having this fight with everybody in the world who feels like fighting with me. Uh, so I'll give you the chance to fight with me. Oh, good. Um, my argument is that the top team in the league, and when I say top team, I'm just talking about record. Right? Like, you could, you, I'm, I will listen to anybody tell me that Pittsburgh is actually the quote unquote best team, best team yeah. but they don't have the top record. So that's not who I'm talking about. Okay. 
I'm only talking about Vegas and Tampa and maybe Nashville. Okay. My argument is if you are I that are. good, you shouldn't alter your lineup at the deadline. Because you're you're that far ahead of everybody else for a reason. And going into the playoffs, why would you want to tweak your roster, right? And my argument would be, because this is the argument, well, well, Carlson is better than every other defenseman in the league, so if you add Carlson, your defense gets better. And my argument is always, well, no, you have the best team. <laughs> and adding the best player changes that team, and you have no idea what your new team is. You know, let's say the Kings added Carlson to the, to the, to the roster. I mean, the Kings aren't the best team, but let's just say they mm-hmm. added Carlson to the roster. Well, okay, so Carlson plays on the second pairing, I suppose, behind Dowdy. Well, now Martinez is off of that lineup, and now he bumps down to the third pairing, and whoever was playing on the third pairing no longer is playing there, and your partners maybe. You know, it's like your whole lineup changes. Um, I suppose it's a little different with defensemen because there's not as many roster fluctuations, but but certainly with a forward, it just changes everything. So, so what do you say? Am I totally crazy? You're not totally crazy. A lot of, you know, when you get down to the trade deadline, you've got a team in first place. You know, you want to buy because you want to get better. You want to have the depth. You want to have the the leeway of you know injuries, et cetera, et cetera. The biggest thing is what are you giving up? And I think that's that's the missing piece in the element of just theoreticals because you don't know who you're missing. You know, the GMs. There's a reason they have the job. There's a reason they're. You know, they can't predict the future, but you can make knowledgeable. You know. Expect you know, mm-hmm. just predictions of, you know, what the chemistry could be or who's going to fit well with who, and, and and you don't know until they hit the ice. That being said, you know, I I think it's different when you add the best player or the you know one of the top players in the game because they're going to eat up time, and it's right. and that's that's the biggest part. Or Carlson is more complicated than you know adding a second center because you know he can fit into a deep uh, into a right. pair. Where you he knows his role. Where you add a Carlson, it's like, well, okay, most likely he's going to go to another team with an alpha defense, right. and then you've got two alphas who don't know if you, they can play together, so on and so forth. So, it's a very complicated situation in the Carlson aspect. He's a he's a generational talent, so I would say go after him, opposed to a guy like Shattenkirk last year, where right. it was just like. Adam because he's one of the best D. Well, it didn't work out in Washington, and now look at the year that they're having in New York. So it's one of those situations where you know Carlson over you know just a top D. They're two different people, but again, it's a lot of that does depend on you know who you give up, what you're willing to to sell away, and and you know where you can bring him in and who he can play with. But even the forwards, like like let's take Vegas. Let's say for whatever insane reason. Ovechkin became available for a trade. Yes. Would, Again, he's complicated. He's complicated. But but he, but okay. So so maybe not Ovechkin. Let's say Jeff Carter. Yep. Right. Like let's say the Kings decided. Okay. In fact, we are selling off everything. Yeah. Let's say that the Kings came to Vegas and said we want to trade Jeff Carter too. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair statement to say. I don't even know who Vegas' second line center is, but I think it's a fair argument to say that Jeff Carter is better than yes. than that player. Yes. If I'm Vegas, I still say no. Because what's wor- it's working. Yeah, it's working. <laughs> if yes. you put a if you put a whole new player in who plays a completely different yep. style with different line mates, you and know, I, maybe yeah. he wants the puck more, maybe his style is like it doesn't you I, don't even though the even though the sum of the parts may be may be bigger, I don't think the, the whole is necessarily bigger. And I completely agree. 
in the aspect, and that's the general manager's job. His his job, you know, other than you know getting a, a really good player, it's understanding that is this guy going to fit into our system, and that's why Vegas has done so well is because they just keep getting assets for the future while they're. You know their team right now is just continually winning. So you know what did, they picked up. You know a draft pick for the the Brassard trade that Pittsburgh wanted. It, that's that's a great job on their part because they're getting better, but they're not getting. You know, there's there's no complicated situation around the roster that they have because they don't need to add. What they're doing is working. It's mind boggling to everyone because. You know, no one expected it. You go from 500 to one odds to five to one in you know a span of four months. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see you know you know how it plays out with Carlson because you know it, it, the contract situation. They also want to get rid of Bobby Ryan, and then can you add both of them? You know, no one wants to add the Bobby Ryan contract, but you, you got to bite the bullet if you also want the best defense in the league. So uh, while I do agree in the Jeff Carter situation, it, it, it's all about. You know, personnel and chemistry and, and matchmaking, you know, from a, a hockey player perspective. But that's, I mean, but see, what you said is sort of exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think there's a team in the league that doesn't want Eric Carlson. Right. And I don't think there's a team in the league that should make that trade if it means bringing on Bobby Ryan. And I, well, <laughs> that's, it depends on who you are, but I... Let it, me rephrase that. Arizona... And Buffalo should yes. 100% make the trade yes. to bring in yes. Carlson. Everyone else, uh, yeah. I would be very, very hesitant to, to add a Bobby Ryan who's got years and $7 million on his yeah. name. So, uh, yes, it, it, it's complicated, and that's that's you know that's what the deadline's all about. You know, I think we're all going to see some interesting moves that, you know, you know, the thing is, is at the end of the year, how many teams does it work out for? None. Well, well, one. one. Yeah, the answer is one. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, but I said this to you before the game. The only team I can think of that was in first place that made a huge trade and actually won the cup was the Colorado Lav- yeah. Can't talk. The Colorado Avalanche in two thousand one when they acquired Rob Blake from the Kings. They f- they were in first place at the time of the trade. They finished the year in first place and they won the cup. And even then, I would argue, I'm not sure that the trade made them better because they were in first. Place. And ultimately, that's why I'm opposed to these trades. It's like, mm. better is a subjective term, and yeah. you can't be better than first place, so why are you messing with it? It's teams like, you know, like Pittsburgh, for example, right now, even though they are two back-to-back cup winners and one of, you know, and have some of the best players in the league, mm. for whatever reason, they're 11 points out of first place, and I look at that and I go, yeah, sure. Pit? Yeah, make a trade. Like, They're go for it. Yeah. Oh, no, in their division, division, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I completely agree. And the thing is, is you know, it's like what we've seen in Chicago for the years, and now obviously it, it came back to bite them eventually. But when you have the opportunity to win, and you see there's a, a spot in your roster that needs to be filled with something better, you go after and get it. And I think it's kind of become a trend in the NHL where you know the the teams that are in the playoffs need to buy, not knowing if it's going to work out. And uh, I don't see it going anywhere because you know teams tend to think that it works. Uh, but while selling off draft picks and, and lower prospects or people in their roster that they don't necessarily want, but at the same time, you know, it one team benefits at the end. That's all that matters. Uh, and Pittsburgh has done it twice in a row, and Chicago did it a few times with picking up draft pit or picking up you know second line centers or a winger, a depth defenseman, and it, it works out. So. You know, it clearly works, but 
it only works for one team, and that's yeah. where you've got to get the best deal, and you already have to have the pieces in place to keep it successful. Well, it's going to be a very interesting weekend. As you said, we're already halfway through the weekend, but yep. um, an interesting 24, 48 hours, however, from whenever you hear this. Um, honestly, at this point, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm emotionally, I don't want to say checked out, but I'm emotionally resigned to, to the, I have prepared for the worst. I am now hoping for the best. Um, I won't be just honestly. I won't be disappointed either way, whether they make a trade or not. Yeah, um, and I, I agree. I agree completely. I think this roster can make the playoffs mm-hmm. by itself. Who knows? You know, if they can get better as the weekend goes on. But at the same time, you know, they've done a good job of putting this team in position to win. It's 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 on the players now. It is, and it's one of those things where it's almost on on some level it's entirely up to them because if they win the games they have to win then they can make it but by the same token if Calgary if St. Louis if Anaheim if San Jose all you know let's say San Jose does acquire Carlson let's say Anaheim picks up you know somebody else let's say Calgary picks up somebody else all these teams need to do at this point is play just as well as the Kings yep. and there's nothing to be done about it yep so <laughs> it's a it's a rough period Kings fans we're sort of in the same spot last year when they got Quick and Bishop back, yep. and it was like, all right, this is the stretch run. Yep. Then they get Iginla, and yep. nothing happens. Yeah, so, um, as we say, uh, prepared for the worst, hoping for the best. We go are. go we Kings, are. go. We are. Monday will um, be fun. That's right, Monday will be fun. And look, man, nobody hopes that they come out of nowhere and defeat the, the Golden Knights. <laughs> more. I mean, that would be amazing. More than you? Yeah, in fact, I'm predicting it. Heard it here first. Heard it here that they beat the the dirty dirty Golden Knights. Uh, we're going to talk to Ken from Sinbin uh, before the game, so we'll have that for you. Anyway, thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.